Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Saigay, and I'm here today in the studio with my pastor, Pastor Brad McCoskey. Pastor Brad, welcome to the studio. Good to be with you, Patrice. It's always a pleasure to have a discussion and chat with you. Oh, yes, sir. What well, we, we've titled uh, this today, A Conversation with My Pastor About Race and Justice in America, Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad, uh, thank you so much for bringing, you and I this week did a, uh, a Sunday message for our church, Anthem Church, around uh, the journey discussion around uh, a redemptive dialogue around race and um, race and justice in America. And, um, and as part of this whole George Floyd incident, uh, I thought it'd be good to have you in studio for you and I to talk because you know we've been doing the last two weeks, uh, having different perspective, having different people share about this whole incident and uh, and their thought and perspective. But I thought you know it'd be good to have my own pastor come in and and um, and uh, so we can talk about it so that people can get a sense to see um, uh, to, to kind of hear your perspective as well and even just hear I think our relationship because part of what we're trying to do is model to show to show America that yes, we have problems, but we've also come a very long way and they both can, can coexist and that together we can address uh, the problem. So about Pastor Brad, so Pastor Brad, you, you, you pastor a church that has been an iconic church here in the Pacific Northwest, particularly in, the or in, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, your church is uh, Oregon is about six percent, I think, or less African American. Was it three percent actually? African American. I, I think it's it's about six. About six percent African American. It may be less, but uh, yeah. But <laughs> and you you pastor a um, a very diverse church. As a matter of fact, your church doesn't reflect the that the 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 city is not reflective of the diversity of your church, and so you've been able to do something that that's very unique in this area. Um, also, you, you so tell, tell so first before we kind of get into our discussion today, give our audience a sense of kind of your journey in ministry, so they can hear kind of how you started and really what 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 shaped this man that's been able to build this kind of multiracial, multicultural church in a very non-diverse environment. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I, I think when I felt the call in the ministry as a young man. I grew up in a very, uh, very guarded uh, community. It was outside of Buffalo, New York, in a Polish, Catholic, uh, white community. I mean, my neighbors were the Kalikowskis, the Mazurskis, the Braskis. It was all skis, all Polish, all, uh, and, and uh, primarily Catholic, all Catholic. I mean, anybody we had anything to do with was Catholic, right? So, uh, but when God touched my heart and changed my life, I got, was born again when I was uh, 15 years old. I began to get a passion for uh, his kingdom, and uh, which led me to a Bible college out in uh, Southern California. And uh, so I, at 17, I, you know, put my footlocker foot on a uh, plane and headed for L.A., and what a shock, <laughs> culture shock. Uh, here, all of a sudden, I'm running into people who are brown and black and Asian, and I had never experienced in that in my life, and I loved it. 
it something clicked on the inside of me and said, you know what, this is heaven. This is what heaven's going to look like. And I began to just sense that, you know, this would be something that framed my life. And I, I uh, have always believed uh, God gave me the scripture in Psalms 2 verse 8 that says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. So it has always been my my goal to to how do I build a church that looks like heaven, since that's where we're going to spend most of our time. And uh, since God is the creator from one man, all the nations of the, uh, the of the earth, then heaven is going to look uh, just, uh, is going to be comprised of all the nations, all the cultures, all the diversity and all the racial. And, and uh, you know, I love that. And so uh, when I came to Portland, and got involved with um, New Beginnings, formerly, uh, or Anthem was formerly New Beginnings, we began to just uh, incorporate um, a, a message that touched everybody, or that spoke to everyone. We felt like one of the issues that was part of the problem was that this kind of, uh, I would say, demonic force of prejudice, and it was became one of the three uh, kind of things that we targeted from the very beginning uh, it's to eradicate prejudice and racial uh, 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 discrimination. And uh, so that's been a, in the heart and part of our prayer from, uh, from the beginning. And, uh, so we, that, and it's allowed us to break down a lot of walls. Wow. Wow. Amen. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking here. So a white kid from New York, who didn't grow up around a lot of black people, uh, <laughs> get this call <laughs> for a diverse kind of ministry. I mean, did you have to kind of, um, uh, did you have to learn, you know, how was the trans transition? I mean, how was it when coming from that kind of background, when you think about when you, when you whether it was in California or whenever, when you begin to actually interact with African-Americans or people of other diverse cultures? Uh, yeah, it was uh, absolutely in Los Angeles I'm, uh, and in the Los Angeles area, because up to that point, uh, I had, had no interaction. And here's this big smiling white kid, you know, who's just dumb <laughs> as a, uh, you know, just from the country, country, right? I mean, within South, uh, uh, Western New York, where I was in Southwestern New York, it is the end of the Appalachian permanently depressed <laughs> uh, economic zone. So, you know, <laughs> we're kind of part of the last of the Appalachian crowd, you know. So and and here I and show up in L.A. and I'm supposed to meet somebody at a call at Chapman College. I have no idea where Chapman College is. <laughs> all of the taxi drivers are black. And so. So I, I mean, I just, Hey, you know, I need a ride. Do you take uh, to, <laughs> and, and there it began. And uh, so I have been clumsy. I have made huge mistakes, but I have admitted those mistakes very honestly and transparently. And I've worked to, to put myself into the world that was unaccustomed to me. Wow. And, Whatever it took, uh, and I think it, a smile will go a long way. 
and admitting that you're clumsy and dumb and have no clue uh, took me into the heart of of uh, Latino gang uh, gang members and barrios that were famous for chasing white people out. And here I am. Here I am sitting at the president of the uh, the the gang president's home with all these guys around me, and uh, just kind of, you know, I didn't know any better, and uh, and and accepted because I simply wanted to learn and to grow. Wow! 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 Amen. One of the things I brought up about in the journey to freedom discussion. Uh, in terms of struggle, I brought up the idea that oftentimes as African-Americans or minorities, we we think and focus on the struggle, on our struggle. And we just assume or presume that as a white male, that either you've not had this, a struggle or your struggle, whatever it's been, is not as bad as mine, right? And And so there's this kind of ranking. Um, and so uh, let's talk a bit about that because I mean, obviously you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth. Um, and then, and then you have to go into a world that was very foreign to you. You have to now, you were the minority, you have to now figure out how to fit in. And, and, um, you know, and, and, and that had its own challenges, but yet, uh, our culture says you are the majority. It doesn't matter what your trouble is or your struggle is. Man up, get over it, because you are a white male. Yeah, right. So how does that, I mean, that must in itself has its own challenges, just, you know, double challenge. First, you can't whine about it because you're a white male. Second, you, know, you have those realities you have to deal with. Yeah, well, I, Patrice, I think that I never looked in the mirror and saw a white guy. Mm. I just never did. I saw a Christian guy and uh, a child of God. And I saw, so whenever I'd go into a community that didn't like look like me, I never even noticed it. <laughs> I felt like I was just a part of that community, you know? I'm just here, you know? And uh, so it was kind of like uh, when I would encounter someone that would kind of be like, what are you doing here? What, don't I belong here? It was like, you know, hey, I would just, I'm just, you know, we're just being friends, right? <laughs> so, uh, and sometimes, you know, I think that childlike uh, simplicity mm. uh, can bridge gaps that uh, we see happen with kids. Wow. That, that we slowly lose as an adult. And maybe I just never lost that, or maybe I just you know, functioned in it, and maybe I'm just a big kid at heart. And. <laughs> And uh, but I felt like I was a part. I never when I go to Nairobi and this, you know, and I'm part there, I don't feel like the and many times I'm the only white guy in five miles. Right. Uh, and I don't feel like that. I just feel like I'm part. This is a part, you know, and uh, because I can't see myself when I'm looking out the window. That is awesome. Friends, you can join the conversation. I'm here with Pastor Brad the senior pastor of Anthem Church uh, in uh, Portland, Oregon. And we're talking about race and justice in America. You know, Pastor Brad, before we get into the, the joyful discussion, I want to first thank you personally on behalf of my family. You know, um, 
I my journey as a believer and a leader has 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 been wonderful, but it also had its own challenge. One of the challenges I've always since I left my like my home church, you know, the place where I was disciples and raised, finding a home has not always been easy. Or finding a place, a church home, where I can um, where I can serve strategically while at the same time do what God has called me to do has not been easy. You gave me that and you've enabled me to serve within the spoke of, of, of my strength and, and what I can do while at the same time encouraging me what God has called me to do. That's not easy. I want to say thank you because my wife and my children, we, we my, my kids almost have grown up at Anthem. Uh, we've gone home. You've been more than just a friend, but, but a partner. And uh, where, where I feel like uh, as, as though um, I don't feel as though what I do outside of the church uh, is, is insignificant. Uh, I, and you honor that just as well. As a matter of fact, uh, you go out of your way not to, uh, not to put more on me than you should, but at the same time, make way for me to serve. Thank you for that. Because one of the biggest things among marketplace leaders, those of us who are called, those of who are ordained ministers, but not running local churches, you know, uh, and particularly in the business space, there's often this tension between us and the pastors, mm. uh, and 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 many of the folks that I serve don't have what you and I have. So thank you for that. Let me ask you about that because for those listening, I mean, you know, um, because many pastors would like to be a pastor, Brad, make a home for Pat, for Patrice Sage or whoever. You know, you know how you know what. What is it about you that has enabled you to do that and so that other pastors can glean from being able to create a home for people like me? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, and some things we, um, are, are, let me just see if I can clarify that. Uh, it's a question, um, kind of the, the, maybe the things that we've done intentionally yeah. as, a, right. as a church and as a, well, intentionally, I think it's been important for me to recognize when um, to recognize everybody's gifts and strengths, and to also recognize that I've got to go outside what would just be uh, normal and easy, and uh, and begin to um, uh, and to step into uh, important lives. I mean, the goal that one of my goals was to create a multicultural, multiracial, embracing of, you know, entrepreneurs from every uh, place and every uh, kind of entrepreneur, support them, get behind them. And because I love what they do and I love what every person uh, is called to be inside of, um, uh, it, it, with their gifts and their talents. So when you look at uh, what people have to offer and their gifts and you create a space for that to flourish within the context of the, the local church, I think it just enhances uh, your ability to reach out and touch more people in the community. And so um, I, I, um, I hope I'm answering that question. You are. Uh, well, you are. No, I mean, th th that's important because I think many people like myself want to serve and they want to come alongside their pastor. But uh, but sometimes uh, 
pastors are a bit insecure. And other times yeah, uh, they may see the local church as an end all or be all. And, and as a result, they don't kind of make that room. And so uh, this kind of model uh, enhances the church and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for modeling that. Well, partnerships are important. And uh, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to do everything and I can't do everything. And so the importance of seeing, recognizing the talents and the gifts that someone has, partnering with them and uh, being able to uh, work together to, uh, to, and, and, you know, to touch the community and the world, that's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Well, so let's talk about this George Floyd incident, uh, Pastor. So, um, as uh, you know, like all of us, you know what's happened here in the U.S. recently. What what's your take on kind of what happened and, and how the nation responded to it? Well, uh, George Floyd obviously was uh, was murdered, and uh, there was the brutality and the the uh, what he experienced should not happen in America, but it did, it did, and all of a sudden it it uh, created a uh, an awareness, a discussion, a um, uh, some radical responses, some re uh, responses that were um, pro probably uh, you know detrimental in some ways. Uh, but I think what it did is open the conversation. There's no question that what he experienced was wrong, and it should never happen in the United States. And uh, I'm a chaplain for the uh, uh, a law enforcement agency here in the Portland area, and uh, you know that it's it's just something that you know you have bad eggs in every uh, bunch, and and this is a, a one of those uh, unfortunate times when uh, a, a bad person. Took advantage of a situation and, in essence, murdered an individual. So the response of the nation and the response of uh, was, I think, necessary because it's time to begin discussing these things and to begin learning about, uh, you know, what we can do to make sure this never happens again. Now, not only just an incident within the police department. But I think, uh, again, there's throughout the nation and embedded into our culture, there are some things that need to be rototilled out because they're poisoning what's happening and what's growing up uh, in, our, in our world and in our society. Everything starts at the roots. We've got to go to where the root of these issues are and what's What's so good is that we've begun to rototill those things up. They're coming up to the surface, and uh, everybody is taking a look at them and going, "This is not right. We need to make some adjustments. We need to make some, have some conversations, and we need to chart a new course, a course that's going to bring life, a, a course that's going to bring hope, a, a course that's going to, going to." Um, provide equality and and uh, end all the discrimination that has has been very apparent in our world. 
Wow, wow, amen. You, you are a chaplain of a law enforcement agency. It must break your heart because you know a lot of good police officers. I do. Yeah, and I do. it breaks your heart that this kind of incident paints this broad picture of the police being bad. Do you speak a bit about, about that? Oh, can I, can I just say they're heartbroken. Wow. They're, uh, they're having to change their names, accounts, uh, you know, start hiding their residency, uh, moving their cars, all, you know, they can't live uh, a public life anymore because of uh, the response here. And they're good people. They're good people. And they've been uh, serving this community and serving this, uh, uh, this area with the best of intentions. And so, uh, yeah, they have, but you know, that that's just part of the byproduct. And, and I think, you know, it's the same thing as a pastor feels when a pastor in the city has, uh, an immoral affair and, and all of a sudden, you know, the media paints, uh, every pastor as, uh, uh, in a negative light and, and we, we you know, you, you feel it. So I understand in some ways, uh, what they, what they're feeling. So yeah, yeah. anytime everybody is lumped into a, a, a group, we are just like, we throw up our hands and say, you know, well, it happens. So. And, and isn't that, you know, it's one thing for the people to, 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 in some cases, irresponsibly over project that. But I think as leaders, though, whether it's political leaders or the media, uh, it is our job to to mimicate that in some extent and not fuel the flame. I mean, wouldn't you say that to a certain extent, um, uh, leaders have need to do a better job uh, to 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 be able to create that balance? Because you, you know, because the the people get upset and and there's there's this natural reaction to kind of project. But right. when a leader doesn't uh, calibrate it in the, responsibly, it then can push, far, push too far. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, it's very important for leaders to to respond, not react to certain uh, situations that uh, come up. And so, and we've got to be vocal. We've got to be vocal. We've got to uh, make sure that we we talk about this, and hence our conversations in the from the pulpit and uh, continuing to keep it in the forefront of people's minds uh, so that it's just not an event that we go, oh, that's that was terrible, and then we forget about it two weeks, which in America, that's what we do. Why? Because we have so many fun things to go back to yeah. and uh, that we can, we luxury items, we forget about the discussions that are important. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's, so as a chaplain, when the the law enforcement officers that you you pray for and support you know how good they are and this kind of situation happens how do you pass it in a situation how do you stand the gap for them because it must be tough for you as well because because you you know you you feel bad about what happened because you know it was it was not right right but yet you see these 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 people who are in some cases, innocent and to do with it. Now they have to. Now their lives in danger. Their security is in danger. They're, they're, you know, how do you pastor through that as you try to respond to both sides? Well, I, I think um, uh, it's just a, a continual encouragement that you know 
that uh, we can't grow weary in well-doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes the task takes, uh, the journey is long. And um, it, was a, it was a long journey for, and it's been a long journey for African-Americans in America mm-hmm. to, to get to the place that where we're at today. And it's, and, and it's going to be a long, you know, and we had an African-American president, which was, you know, so that was a long journey to get there. Uh, it's still a long journey. And I think, uh, uh, you know, we have to take everything in, in perspective and, uh, and think about the long, you know, the long, uh, the, the picture that we're trying to paint in front of us and really move towards that picture. I know in the things that you've talked about, Patrice, the dream has to continue mm-hmm. to be in front. And if and what I do is this is very similar as I paint the dream I, for them that you know what what you do and how you preserve justice and uh, and contend for what's right and treat everybody equally. Those are right things, and those will pay dividends in the end. And when you do right, good always triumphs over evil. And mm. so we continue to do right. We continue to do good. And we do. And we uh, and the impact of that will, in the end, uh, show itself. And also, when you continue with that in mind, you go home at the end of the day and say, I, done, I did well. Uh, Kevin. Uh, says this. Thank you, Kevin, for watching and for giving us your feedback. Kevin said the public response shows that there were issues that needed to be dealt with, but have been kept under uh, the, the the rug. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for, for being with us and for joining in. And uh, again, if you have comments or questions, please share them and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have you part of the conversation. Pastor Brad, um, you read our response in the email project. What were your thoughts on the, the way that uh, we responded. Well, first of all, I really uh, believe that Nehemiah represents the uh, uh, the progress of America, and uh, I thought that statement that you made was fantastic. You know that that what you're trying to do into in helping uh, entrepreneurs to move forward and uh, to begin to have their uh, you know, to experience the blessing and the potential of their full potential of their lives is fantastic. Uh, and I, and what I loved about what you said is that uh, your, your response really celebrates, in my mind, the best of what we can be and, and the best of, of, uh, of, of America. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I, I'm so excited about is your commitment to uh, reach into some of the uh, urban areas of America that have uh, been in in struggling and to uh, touch those areas with the wisdom and the the, uh, the encouragement that you bring and so I think that's so fantastic and and it, it reminded me of um, uh, uh, well, it also is a forward-looking uh, response, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I appreciate that it's a response that that looks at okay, this is this is what happened. This is history. We can't go back and change that, but we can learn from it. 
we can grow from that and we can respond uh, to it and and uh, and then create uh, you know a, a a pathway and uh, that will that will bring life and will bring hope and will bring uh, energy so um, I was excited about that amen well thank you for that uh, Zamina just came in Zamina welcome good to, good to have you with us uh, you're welcome Zamina Pastor Brad, now you, you yourself uh, have been very intentional with the church in having kind of discussions and thinking through how the church ought to respond. Could you tell us a bit about how you've how you've been uh, dealing with it as a church yourself? You have a you have a diverse congregation, and and you, and you are here in Portland. Uh, as a matter of fact, Portland downtown Portland. Uh, I haven't gone there, but my daughter, who went there for an internship, says it's been almost boarded up because of the riots out there. So uh, so what's your sense as to what kind of obligation do you feel as a pastor to be able to help your flock deal with this and what have you been doing as a result of it? Well, I want to help people um, uh, get that picture just like you of, you know, how do we process this? Uh, how do we process the hopelessness? Because we've all experienced hopelessness. Uh, we've all experienced anger. How do you process the anger and the outrage? And uh, what is the biblical response that will bring healing and hope? I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to uh, deal with that. I've had you know people come to me that have wanted to. Okay, how do we get involved? What you know, I want to go down in March. Should I uh, march? Should I be a part of that? A lot of questions that need to be um, that need to be answered or want to be answered. And I think we have to kind of measure our response from from a biblical point of view. And what does the Bible encourage us? And how do how does it uh, commend us to treat others and to uh, to um, look at these crises and these broken uh, moments and really um, respond in a, in a way that's going to be life-giving and hope-building. Um, and, and so that's what we've been trying to communicate. I've tried to communicate different perspectives. Uh, as a white person, I want my congregation and my white, the white members of my congregation to know that, that uh, and, and to, to understand the other side of the story, the, the backstory in the African-American culture that they never have been a part of, never have understood, and, uh, and uh, open their understanding and open their eyes and help them to listen and to hear and to feel for just a, a moment what that might be like um, so that they can understand and, uh, and be a part of the solution. That's so important. Um, and so th those are the things I, I, I want to just kind of make sure that we're, we're transparent, that we acknowledge what we don't know, and that we seek to understand and grow from those who do, and, uh, and, and just continue to have those open doors. Mm -hmm. As a part of that, you invited me to uh, minister with you uh, this upcoming Sunday, where we... Um, talked about the journey to freedom, a redemptive conversation about race and, and, and justice. And um, tell me a bit about, you know, how, you know, because we kind of 
talk through it together. And, and, and for me, that was a neat way to help the congregation and help people really um, grab, grapple how to discuss the issues. How was it for you and how do you see this? And by the way, if you're, if you're watching this right now and you want to be a part of that worship service uh, this Sunday, I believe 9.30 or 9... And 9 o'clock and at 10.30. 9 o'clock at 10.30. They can watch it online, be part of the worship. But anyway, tell them, how can they plug in to the worship service this Sunday, Pastor Brad, before we talk about it? Uh, you can go to anthemfamily.org, anthemfamily.org. Hit the church online at 9 o'clock or 10.30 and uh, hear this amazing conversation. And I'm glad you did most of the talking, Patrice, because the things you shared were just so powerful and life-giving. And as soon as I heard you talk about them uh, just on the phone, I knew we had to bring them on uh, to the congregation. So so about that, so so how was that experience for you as we kind of did that? What, do, what can the people watching now who want to check us out on Sunday with this? What can they expect and what was it about it that you felt was valuable? Well, uh, I, I just felt like it was instructional. Um, it, it really brought hope. Uh, it was so forward looking and it, it just had a, a, a very solid crack to run on. And I think that's what's so important right now. There's a lot of discussion about uh, what has happened and, you know, uh, the passing judgment on what's happened. And we all know that things are broken, but the, it's important to understand from this point, how do we fix that? Where do we, how do we begin to prog make progress? And I think what I walked away from after our discussion was, this is a way, this is a hope building uh track uh process um it's just something to get into your heart and your spirit that just breathes all kinds of hope i went away just talking about it with everybody i've met the last couple of days saying you've got to see this because i think it's it's going to be so powerful wow so i want to invite you the, the link is right there anthem church family uh, on uh, that online, that church, Anthem Church Family Online, that church. Just go there or just go to anthemfamily.org and yeah. there you'll be able to plug in this Sunday, 9 o'clock and 10.30 and every Sunday thereafter. But yes. today, this week, Pastor Brenda will be doing a discussion journey. You're going to learn about the dream. You know, why is that important to the to the path of redemption? Uh, the, 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 the betrayal, the fact that something horrible did happen. How do we deal with that? The struggle. Uh, the struggle that we all deal with as a result of betrayal. Right. Uh, we're going to deal with um, rise to greatness. You know the importance that, in spite of the struggle, we we can still rise to greatness. You're going to deal with destiny, and you're going to deal with forgiveness. The importance of that, and lastly, legacy. You know, Pastor, when we think about your legacy as a pastor, and the fact that you're here at this time in leadership, at a moment when America is changing, and we are on a crossroad. And what would you want your legacy to be when you think about where we are at this moment? Ah, well, that's a great that's a great question. I want my, um, you know, I want my legacy. I want people to uh, to understand that the um, the future is in front of them, no matter what you experience in the past. And 
you know, I've had my share of, of betrayals, of painful experiences, of health issues that I thought had ended, were going to end my career. And uh, we're all going to experience those. But if we can, with resiliency, you know, just bounce back from those and, uh, and you know, just keep coming, just keep coming, just, you know what, it's the next chapter. All right, since this one might not have, might not have worked out the best, but listen, we have another, we're, the, the story continues. And so let's, let's build towards that great picture that we dream of and, um, uh, and, you know, and mentoring others to capture that in their heart and, and developing a, a church that continues to, to look like uh, what heaven is going to uh, look like. So those are some of the things that, you know, I hope to continue to, to build and to, you know, uh, to uh, teach young leaders and uh, mentor the next generation to uh, continue to move forward with the progress that we've made. Wow. Wow. Awesome. I'm going to ask you to speak to the nation in a few minutes. I'm going to give you a category of group of folk to speak to as even a pastoral talk, if you will. But before I do, this whole um, nation, national unrest, whether it's the protests, even when it comes to the riots or even the, you know, it's been fueled by a lot of young people. Um, a lot of millennials on back, um, their sense of confusion, uh, their sense of injustice, um, and a lot of them white. Um, so my question to you is, uh, how have you had incidents at the church where you've had young people that were trying to figure out how to address this? If so, what are some advice you can give our young people? Because they're they're a lot of they're the ones who are impatient right now. They're the ones who are saying, you know what, I didn't know America was like this. They're the ones who are kind of saying, we're not gonna tolerate it. Uh, and they're the ones who, if not properly guided, they're coming up with extreme solutions. Um, but their motives are right. Mm -hmm. Their sense of justice is 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 aligned. They're almost saying, you guys have not done anything about it. We're gonna do something now. They're making this, forcing us. You know, I've got two millennials in my own home, you know, and when we're having discussions, you know, they're they're saying, Daddy, you know, you can't be so passive, you know. And so I'm, you know, so so talk a bit about to the millennials a little bit in terms of your sense of what's going on there. Well, uh, you know, I try to keep millennials close to me because um I've got to have them around me because they they just drive me nuts. But <laughs> and and which is so great, you know, because it's it's such a learning experience because of the way they process the world is so different than the way I do and the way I have and the way and so um, so it's it's been very educational for me um, and so to young people. I think that it's so important for a young person to to be careful who they uh, listen to, that they need to research their own uh, and come to their own conclusions by talking to people and uh, asking the right questions in many different places. I think that the, because of the the uh, young people so often are so connected to the electronic world, 
that uh, they get most uh, too much of their information from the electronic world. But when you talk to a person face to face, when you go to the home of somebody that doesn't look like you and, and, and then ask these questions and have these conversations and, uh, you know, you may get a you you gather more information and can capture the essence of, of the struggle. I, I, I saw a video, um, a couple of days ago about a, um, and they were interviewing, um, uh, they were interviewing in Harlem and they were interviewing, uh, some white millennials, okay, some young white millennials who were talking about, the, and the question was, you know, do we need to get rid of police, okay? Do we need to defund and get rid of police? And all the white millennials said, we hate the police. We don't, you know, we've got to get rid of them. But then when you went into this community in Harlem and asked them, uh, do you, uh, what do you think about the police? They go, no, 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 we need the police. We want the police. One of one person said, my, uh, you know, my my son's going is going to be a policeman, wants to be a policeman, and have, have and they've got relationship with with the police. So there's a different response when you get into people's lives and really talk to them and and uh, ask the questions that you have as a as a young person, uh, rather than just accept what you're hearing uh, from uh, from a screen. Or from a, a national media, it's so important to, to take the time to ask the questions, to get involved, to be relational with the, the, the with where you're um, where you get your information. And I think when you do that, you capture a whole different perspective. Wow, good advice, good advice. But Pastor Brad, let's go to the victim's family. Okay, if you had a chance to speak to the victim family. What would you say right now? To George Floyd's yeah. family, I would I would be heartbroken with them. I don't know if I'd have anything to say except to wrap my arms around them and to weep with them. I think that that is a quintessential uh, response of love. When you love somebody as you love yourself, you weep with those who weep, and uh, and so you know, wow. the pastoral side comes out here. Because yeah. I love people and I feel their pain, and I think we—I would wrap my arms around them and say that um, that uh, you know your dad, your brother, your father, um, his life is not going to be uh, the, the loss of his life is not going to be in vain. That because of of what he suffered, uh, many are, are going to, things are going to change. And so we can't bring him back, which we could. But what we can do is his life can be an ex, uh, a catalyst to to see change. And if they can, and I would hope that they would find comfort in that and uh, find hope for in the in, for the future. Amen. Speak to the police officers who were involved. If you had to speak as a pastor, what would you say to them? As a pastor, I would uh, hope that that um, well, first and foremost, they are people that are also going to spend eternity either with God or without God. Mm. And so, at the heart of every person is a is a broken soul, 
And so, um, you know, there is, uh, and that, and from that place, uh, sin arises. And so, I would, I would hope that they would be. Uh, I would ask and encourage them to acknowledge their failure, to acknowledge their fault, as I do every Sunday when I ask, invite people to be get right, uh, to to receive the love God has for them, and uh, and you know to confess their their sins, to confess their faults and their failures, to acknowledge that hey, you know what, I I did, I was a dude that did the deed. And uh, it was not right. It was wrong. And and I'm going to pay the price and the penalty for that. Uh, thankfully, well, and they should pay and they will pay the price for their failure and their uh, crimes. Uh, but I'm so grateful that eternity, eternally we have someone that paid the price for us. That Jesus came and paid the ultimate price for our eternity, and I would hope that they would come to know Jesus in that. Wow! Wow! Amen. To the police uh, force, those in uniform who ha have been now dragged in uh, by virtue of of uh, proximity, being the same career. What would you say to them? Um, I, I would, you know, encourage them. Uh, I, you know, I've seen some of the language that has been used against them. Some of the protesters in their face saying things that uh, that are horrific, uh, you know, um, and I would uh, ask them to remain patient, to remain calm, to stay the course, don't get weary in well-doing, um, that, you know, they are, they, they need to learn from this and grow from this, but how how much it's and how important it is that we do have those that are peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers right for they shall see god and so there's a i'd encourage them to to uh to stand up for what's right to continue to be the best that they can be to uh when they see wrong make sure that they acknowledge it and and expose it and uh, from the top to the bottom, and let's, you know, in a sense, have a, a time of cleansing and re repentance and renewal within the police force also. Mm, amen. Amen. To our government officials, whether federal, state, or local, what would you say to them? Uh, you know, uh, I would probably encourage them and hope that and ask them to focus on where we're going instead of where we've been mm -hmm. and to uh, to come together in unity. Um, things can't change unless we're unified. And so let's find the places that we can be united and rally together um, uh, and, and be, be united on. And then from that point, begin to, uh, to uh, create a, a pathway for change. Uh, and I would encourage them to lay down their verbal weapons and verbal uh, uh, sparring and uh, let's get busy building something that will will work. It's time to kind of it's kind of it's time to step back, take a deep breath and say, okay, are the things that I've been 
how important are the things that I've been um, you know, building a career on or, you know, the statements or stances, uh, uh, stands that they've taken. It's time to just kind of let go of some of these things so that we can build bridges and, and work together. Wow. Amen. Amen. To the marchers. What would you say to the marchers? That's a that's a interesting. I, I would say your voice has been heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, your voice has been heard, and uh, I would encourage them to continue in uh, to uh, to make their voice heard in in where they vote. Uh, to that now to find a place where they can serve, because um, serving is going to be the key. And so, how can they serve the community that they're fighting for? Uh, how can they serve those that they feel have been unjustly treated? Well, don't just stand up for them. Get your hands dirty. Get involved with uh, with those that are that are uh, less fortunate than you are. Find a place in your community where you can be the helping hand. And if you got time to give and you got time to march, you have time to serve and time to give to help someone's life be better. Oh wow, wow. Zamana says, "Amen, amen." Zamana, I agree with I agree with him there. Um, what about to African Americans? What would you say to them? I would have to start by saying, "I'm sorry that you have had." I'm sorry that you've had to journey this er, and walk this road. And I wish it was different, but it's not. And I'm going to do everything I can and to uh, partner uh, to continue to uh, change the, 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 our nation and change your experience. To whites, what would you say to whites? I'd say open your eyes and and learn, you know, and grow. And, uh, you know, just uh, uh, ask yourself if you would want to experience what the, the people of darker skin have experienced. And if you would want to experience that, then, you know, if you wouldn't want to experience that, then you, you know that that it was it is unjust and it is not right so uh get in uh, just understand have compassion grow and uh and begin to uh be part of the solution wow and pastor brand the last group the nation as a whole what would you say to the country gosh uh, patrice what would i say to the country I would say to the country, this is the greatest nation on the planet. And we have been blessed so incredibly much that I think we've lost perspective. We have got caught up in things instead of people. And uh, we've wanted to uh, enjoy things instead of enjoying people. And uh, when we all uh are 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 able to enjoy 
the wealth and richness of this nature of this nation at an equal place. That's what's going to make America even better. Let's continue to build a better America, and let's grow from the things that we've uh, seen and experienced. And let's not try to tear down what has been our history. That's our history. Let's let's if and if it's bad history, it's still history. And that's where we learn and grow from is when we remember our history. When you forget about it, your, your chances of repeating it are, are, are just too, too real. So let's, let's continue to build a, a, the best in uh, America we possibly can. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know about you guys in the audience there, those watching and listening. This, this just has been rich. Pastor Brad, my last question to you. Again, if you want to be to join Pastor Brad in service um, on Sundays, uh, nine o'clock and ten thirty, he broadcasts his worship service uh, on uh, on uh, online Facebook as well as on our website. To his website, you go to anthemfamily.org, anthemfamily.org, uh, in order to connect with him uh, personally as well as to be a part of the worship service. Pastor Brad, with everything that's going on and what's happening. Um, are you still hopeful? If so why? If so or why not? And uh, and um, and uh, where do we go from here? Yes, Patrice, I am hopeful. I am very hopeful because I think in the end, uh, I've read I read the end of the book, right? And uh, and God wins, right? So uh, good triumphs over evil and uh and i believe that i believe that with all of my heart that good will triumph over evil that uh that we can learn to love one another as christ loved the church right and i believe that we can uh live by that that rule that we treat others the way we want to be treated and that, uh, so I, I believe that. I believe that we can walk out First uh, Corinthians thirteen for, for people that don't know that. Just open the uh, the Bible to First Corinthians thirteen, start at verse four, and it talks about the characteristics of love. That love believes the best of all things. Love, you know, endures all things. Love is, you know, is patient. It's kind. It's generous. Well, if we can walk that out. Uh, and I believe we can. And I believe in the end, we, uh, you know, uh, that's what's going to win. Wow. Wow. Again, Pastor Brad, thank you. Now you guys understand why this is my pastor. He's a man of wisdom, man of compassion, and man of great and words of anointing. Here's what Zamana says. Zamana says, listen to the last words to black and white community and also to the to the country. Pastor Brad has an amazing message. <laughs> Pastor Brad, you got a fan out there. Well, thank you, Sam, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, if we if we look into our hearts and really, really uh, examine what's in our hearts, um, and we, I, I've always just tried to live by the, by that principle that how do I want others to treat me? And if, and I've always, if I if I want people to treat me one way, that that's the way I'm going to treat others, and uh, that's that's such an important thing right now. And uh, I don't think that 
some of the things that are going on in the protests are the way other they would those people would want to be treated uh, if the if, if things were turned around. And so we just need to, um, uh, you know, we wouldn't want our houses and our homes looted and uh, our windows broken, but people are doing that. And so we just really need to to treat others the way uh, we want to be treated and and think about that first and, and foremost. Patrice, I know we're going to see some fantastic days ahead. And uh, I think we're all going to be amazed. Um, and I, I trust that. I, I pray for that. I, I, I believe for that. I'm a hopeless opti optimist, as you might gather, uh, because I, I, and I, I don't want to not see the bad. There is bad all around, but I want to look for the good. And sometimes that takes some looking and searching. So that's what we must do. And Pastor Brad, greet Pastor Lisa for us. And thank you for being here with us today. It's been my pleasure. Wow. Thank you for having me. You're going to have to come back. <laughs> Will do. I have some. Well, if you've enjoyed this message like I have, share it. Share with your friends. Share with family. Understand this. The only way that we're going to change the narrative is that we create our own narrative and that we disseminate as wide and deep as possible. Not only share this, but, but go to our, our website at nehemiahcommunity.com and, and look, listen to the other podcasts that we did and, and share those so that the narrative of what is true, what is right, what is just, what is hopeful, and that which is righteous may be the narrative that stands. Do not allow your circumstances, no matter how bad, to define the outcome, but rather trust in the will of God and, and his purposes. You know deep down in your heart that there are better things ahead for all of us. Let's work towards it. I mean, this message is profound and powerful. Thank you so much. Well. Don't leave yet. Before you leave, I want to leave you with this. I want to pray for you. But before I pray for you, though, don't leave because there's a special message coming up because we have a conference coming up August the 10th through the 15th, Nehemiah Week, where we're going to be coming together from, from five regions of the world, Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, and North America. And we're going to be dealing with strategy. How do you build your business or how do you enhance your business in this environment of where we have a pandemic and social unrest. Can you still grow as a company? Can you still persevere? So come come with us August, that week of August um, 10th to the 15th, as we have different um, sessions around training, coaching, access to capital. You're gonna see various business plan competition. You're gonna see investors from. You're gonna even get to tour businesses uh, digitally. It's gonna be an awesome time of connecting community and learning. If you register before June 30th, guess what happens? You get 50% off. So don't, don't go anywhere because we're about to talk about it. But before we do, let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord enable you to steward those talents that he's placed under your care and to steward them in such a way that one day you can hear those wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Guess what? He's about to make you rule over much. God bless you. Thank you for watching.
Thank you again, Pastor Brian. It's been my pleasure. Glad to be with you. Nehemiah Week is an annual event designed to equip entrepreneurs and leaders from around the world to inspire and to honor marketplace leaders for their accomplishments and what they're doing to model Christ in the marketplace. God is doing incredible things at Nehemiah Week. Ladies and gentlemen, God has called us to be a light for him, to be an example for him, to be a model for him so that as others see us, not hear us, but see us, they can see a model of Christ. Yeah, each year at Nehemiah Week, we, we gather uh, the, the nations. Our vision is to transform the marketplace with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, one entrepreneur at a time. We have learned uh, to do business uh, in a godly way. Um, I will actually spread this to our church as well. Through the course of Nehemiah Week includes information around um, principles of biblical entrepreneurship, so really looking at biblical economics. What we've learned this week is, is about training. Our Nehemiah uh, project is about training and then coaching and then accessing capital. Nehemiah gave me God's vision really impacts the way that I see doing business. Nehemiah, we not only gives birth to new ideas, it connects us with resources and relationships that makes them possible. But what we want to do is not just affect here in the U.S., we want to take this curriculum all over the world. Whatever it is, the question is, what impact will this have on others? It's something that's going to change lives. So I'm ready to use whatever I have for the benefit of the kingdom of God. I believe that the nations are going to shape because of this week. Biblical entrepreneurship takes a stand to say we are going to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in the marketplace.